Welcome to the LJA Podcast, featuring news, knowledge, and insight from principals, leaders, and subject matter experts in every area of the company. LJA is an employee-owned, award-winning civil design firm offering over 300 services with 35 offices in Texas, Oklahoma, and Florida. We build civilization. Listen to the LJA podcast to learn why. Hey folks, and welcome to the LJA podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited today because this is the first ever podcast episode for LJA. LJA is an engineering firm based out of Houston, Texas, and uh, they've been around for years, so much so that I've been involved with this industry since the 90s. And I remember um, working with LJA back then, and and they are still uh, moving along and, and, and growing stronger every day. As a matter of fact, there are I don't think they've been ever been bigger than they are right now. And that's a testament to the type of work that they've done, uh, not just in Houston, not just in Harris County, but the, the rest of the great state of Texas. And, you know, we wanted to uh, really and I don't even know if this individual that we've brought on today knows that he is the inaugural episode. But uh, we wanted to bring somebody on today that could really speak to an issue here in Houston that has been a, a, a major point of contention, and that is, why does Houston flood? And we have brought on John S. Grounds III. He is a manager with LJA. He is a professional engineer and a certified floodplain manager. He has forgotten more than most of us will know about flooding and flooding-related issues in water. And uh, I thought it would be great to bring him on the podcast to kind of talk about his background, his experience. And of course, we're going to bring up Hurricane Harvey, which a couple of years ago caused major devastation in and around uh, Houston, Harris County, and a good portion of eastern Texas. And um, John has some really good ideas about how to avoid flooding in the future. And trust me when I say this, it, it's it's always good to be around someone that understands floodplains, that understands you know what a hundred year flood is, what a fifty year flood a fifty year floodplain is a 500 year floodplain is a lot of times when I've heard those comments uh, bantered about I'm always thinking man that that seems so far away I mean 500 years but you have to be aware of that information and so you know there are a lot a lot more people out there way smarter than me way above my my level of understanding that that understand this intimately and John grounds is one of those individuals so without further ado let's welcome John grounds to the podcast how are you doing today Doing well, Randy. Thank you. Good. I guess you didn't know you were going to be the first person on the podcast, did you? I did not, but it's my honor. <laughs> That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. So, well, listen, one of the things that we like to do is we want to frame uh, for the listener who who we're talking to. So I would love for you to share your superhero origin story. How did you get to LJA? What what led you to uh, civil engineering to begin with? And and why this passion for 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 floodplain management? Sure. So back in the early 1980s, I was an undergraduate at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. I always thought I was going to be a structural engineer. And when I was getting ready to finish my senior year, the cars packed up, ready to drive back from Houston to Dallas, Hurricane Alicia happened and, and it essentially wiped out my parents' house where I was living. A tree fell through, a lot of rainfall. 
And when I went back to school a couple of weeks later, you know, after cleaning up the devastation, realized, you know what, I've always liked my water classes. They've always been great. And I realized growing up with my father, my father worked for a firm called Forest and Cotton, and they designed most of the water resources, all the reservoirs in North Texas area. So I grew up with this. I've had a personal encounter. And so when I graduated, I was going to come back to Houston. I was going to get married to my wife, Linnell, and just blindly walked into the University of Houston and said, hey, I want to study water resources and ended up on a really cool research project with the Harris County Flood Control District and the University of Houston that was looking at updating intensity, duration, frequency curves. And as a result of that, realized, hey, all these extreme events, all these terrible rainfall events are associated with tropical storms and hurricanes. So that led me to start my research on hurricane rainfall and runoff from Houston area streams and have continued doing that. I've been making or creating flood insurance rate maps for more than 20 years and essentially have dedicated my entire career to drainage and floodplain management. Wow. I mean, and, and I, I love I love that, um, you know, you, you have a personal connection with this because of the uh, effects of that hurricane on your parents' home. And you kind of, it became a lifelong calling for you. And I, I, I certainly commend you for that. Um, I'm assuming just as people hear this, that they don't have you to blame for the 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 high cost of, of flood insurance. Is that correct? No, in fact, we we try to make people understand better what their risks are. So when they purchase a new home or an older home, they can anticipate what those costs might be and what their actual risk of flooding are going to be. Yeah, you know, because I've heard places where like there's some is it such a thing as like there's certain places because of the ability or frequency of flooding that you just can't it's uninsurable. Well, you can get flood insurance for just about anything except the cost instead of being a you know a couple of hundred dollars a year for living in a low risk zone they might be thirty thousand plus a year so you can get flood insurance but it's going to cost you maybe even more than the structure's worth right right yeah well that makes sense that makes sense so so let's talk a little bit about since i mean obviously you you as i was looking at your cv i mean you have a list of tropical storm recovery projects that you've worked on you you've done a little bit of everything but i guess the the easiest way to frame this conversation is to get back to uh just that simple question of why houston floods and and what is the what is the reasoning behind that? Because I know I've been to Houston several times uh, throughout my life, and I remember the first time I guess I visited Houston was the early '80s, and I always found Houston to be fairly flat area, but it just it just never seemed like a place that would flood. Um, even though it's not like right near the water, it's not far from the water, but still, I mean, it just it just didn't appear that way. And I guess from the untrained eye. Um, and, and from an individual that doesn't have a background with your your skill set and experience, I wouldn't I, it wouldn't dawn on me that that would be the case. But I would love for you to tell the audience why Houston floods. <laughs> you got it. So first off, we get rain. We get a lot of rain. We get almost fifty inches per year on average, and that's more than most of the United States. We've had several storms, several extreme events, but the first recorded event in along the Texas Gulf Coast in this area was in 1527 when a Spanish expedition got caught up in a hurricane in Matagorda Bay near Galveston. 
And you may remember from your Texas history that one of the survivors was Cabeza de Vaca. Mm -hmm. And he went on to become, uh, you know, he traveled around the state for eight years. He was regarded as a healer. He eventually made it back to Mexico. Um, he became a governor. He was overthrown. He was sent back to Spain and eventually exiled in Africa. But his work helped us understand the geography of the area. And he also became the first person to have a written record of meteorology within the state of Texas. Wow. And this, the hurricanes haven't stopped. We've experienced more than 120 storms since the 1850s, start, since we started to take really good records of this. And just in the last 50 plus years of my lifetime, we've had at least five storms in Texas that exceeded 25 inches. That's half of a year's worth of rainfall within just a few days. And you know the names of these storms. They're all familiar. Harvey and Allison are being the most recent. So extreme rainfall is not new to the state of Texas. Yeah. And so I why don't you can can you can you paint a picture if you if, if you had to scale it on the grand scale of, of of storms based on your knowledge of the historical nature of all these storms? And that's a hundred plus storms is a lot, but where where does Harvey um, rank up there as far as storms is concerned? So Harvey is number one as far as total rainfall. Okay. It produced almost as much rain as we could squeeze out of the atmosphere. I don't think we could, you know, Noah's flood would be about as big as Harvey. Wow. So it was pretty intense then. Correct. Yeah. yeah. But we've had other storms, you know, Tropical Storm Allison. Mm -hmm. In some areas of our county actually produced more rain than that. Wow. But all over the state. Again, in the Texas Gulf Coast area, we've had some pretty massive rainfall events. So, and and I mean, again, so you obviously are in high demand in terms of being able to inform just about any project that's going on. There is the always going to be the question of uh, will this withstand or, or be able to to stand up to any type of um, flooding issue? How has that informed civil engineering? present day in terms of the way that you guys do work? Because it seems like your skill set um, informs just about every other area of civil engineering. So whether it's land development, structural engineering, uh, you just you just keep going, site development, it, you just keep going on from there. They all need to refer back to uh, the flood um, floodplain management and the understanding of that and how it will impact whatever they're d designing and building. Is that correct? That's correct. So we've had a big shift in our understanding of rainfall lately. We've been relying on first just anecdotal information prior to the 1960s. Then we had a first set of unified rainfall data across the United States in something called TP40, Technical Paper 40. And TP40 served as the guidance until the early 2000s. So from 1960 for 40 plus years, we relied on one publication. And that's recently been updated, upgraded. We have this new set of rainfall called Atlas 14. And Atlas 14 has caused a tremendous shift in the Texas Gulf Coast area as what we regard as a 100-year rainfall. So where I'm standing now, it went from about 12 and a half inches to 16 and a half inches falling within a 24-hour period. That's a massive change, 30%. That means just about everything in our infrastructure is going to end up to be 30% larger. That's 
culverts, bridges, detention ponds, you name it. Yeah. And, and will that, do you think that that will change over time and will there be a need to um, modify that in the future? So it will be continuously updated by continuously. That might be epics of every 10 years or so, but it'll be monitored. Updates will be made when needed. It could shift around as climate changes. We can have areas we might get more rainfall or less rainfall, and we'll continue to monitor the trends in the future. Okay. So, so now, so tell me, I know, I know you work with FEMA, uh, you work, work with the Texas Water Development Board Flood Mitigation Planning Group. That's a mouthful, but uh, you, you spend a lot of time working with these different groups and how do they work together to kind of make sense of all this? Because, um, I mean, again, you, you, you work with public and private clients, uh, but overarching, I mean, the state of Texas has to focus on this because this is an issue that impacts the quality of life for all of its citizens. So how do you how do you work and assist the Texas Water Development Board and FEMA when it comes to your skill set and background? Well, first, we're very grateful in Harris County. We have the premier agency. It's better than any other agency as far as take technical capabilities, funding their approach to dealing with flooding problems. And that's the Harris County Flood Control District. But with FEMA and the Texas Water Development Board, I'm also I've been past president of the Texas Floodplain Management Association, and we've developed a relationship with those three organizations with Texas Floodplain Management Association, with FEMA and the Texas Water Development Board. And together we help create and promote floodplain management. And we we are out there constantly teaching the basics of floodplain management, even advanced topics, not just to other engineers, but the people that are doing the day-to-day floodplain management in the permitting offices at all the cities and communities across the state. Yeah. Well, and and obviously that gives LJA a leg up to have someone with your skill set and background because then all, any anybody within LJA can obviously pull on uh on your experience to help them with a project and I'm assuming that that, that you you are frequently being uh reached out to by your peers there internally to help help solve a problem when it comes to to floodplain management. Is that the case? Great. I mean, daily we're working with with the private clients in making our developments, our subdivisions superior as far as the drainage design, but also with our private clients that serve the public with TxDOT, Harris County Flood Control District, City of Houston, the General Land Office, Water Development Board, you name it. We're working with everybody to provide, you know, safer communities. Yeah. And and so so based on at least with the last few years of experience that you guys have had, what would you say was maybe one of the weaknesses that that you guys recognized post Harvey in terms of, man, we didn't see this coming or this was something that we didn't look into enough to to make recommendations that now we're making because of what we experienced uh, with Harvey? Of course. So a real quick history of flooding of areas inside of the mapped flood insurance, you know, on the flood insurance rate maps, the floodplain mapping and areas outside. Starting in about 2001, we had the ability through the use of geographic information systems to take flood claims and to take the extensive flooding and actually map out and see where all of this was happening. And what we found out is for 
large events, more than a third of the houses that were flooding are outside of the map floodplains. You know, the Memorial Day in flood in 2015, a third were outside of the floodplain. Hurricane Harvey, more than 75% of the structures that flooded were outside of the map floodplain. Now, Harvey was an extreme event, but still, even with Imelda recently in 2019, 60% of the homes that flooded were outside of the map floodplain. So that got us to look into the drainage infrastructure. And what we found is these older subdivisions weren't designed to take on a 100-year or even greater event. They were designed based on criteria today that we would consider about 30% of a two-year event. So if they were designed today, they would be a 50th, you know, so the old subdivision would have a, a probability of flooding 50 times greater than a subdivision designed today. I, I get the idea of what you're saying. So I guess my follow-up question would be, and just for the layperson listening, how, how do you go back to a subdivision or subdivisions, plural, that aren't, quote unquote, um, adequately prepared from a drainage perspective? How do you go back and then fix that? Well, let's let's look at the city of Houston and Harris County real quick and try to visualize it as a series of, of rings. And these rings are created by the highway systems out there. So we have Loop 610. That's generally inside the city. That's the center of the county. And we move out to Beltway 8 and 1960 and final our outer ring of the Grand Parkway. And just looking at the inner part of the city, most of that area was developed, you know, at least 90% within 610 was developed before we even had a flood insurance rate map in the 1970s. And as you move out further, you know, um, detention didn't become a requirement until 1984 in the area. So just about every area inside of the, our second outer loop, the you know, beltway, was designed with ditches that wouldn't be able to take a two-year flood and have no detention. So if you were to walk out of your house, especially if you're 30 years old and you went back to the neighborhood you grew up in, you'd be hard-pressed to find a detention pond in your subdivision. Yeah. So, so basically what you're saying is uh, most of the stuff that is built inside of Beltway 8 and Loop 610 is not built up to the specifications that a lot of things outside of those areas are when it comes to drainage and flooding. Yeah, that's correct. So if you look, if you go out and look at one of these subdivisions, what you typically will see are, you know, north, south, east, west streets on a grid. Yep. And they would go in and dig the ditches. They would cast the dirt onto the roadway. And so now you have a roadway center line that's higher than the lots. They didn't touch the dirt on the lots. So the dirt where the house was built is lower than the center line of the street. So along comes an extreme event that's trying to drain to these ditches that are not even a two year event capacity channel or ditch. And they fill up with water like you're pouring syrup on a waffle. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I love that image because <laughs> you could see, I mean, I could totally see that it just overflows like right away. So, and I guess my question would be, how do you, how does LJA, how do you guys correct that um, in, in, in a subdivision? They call you guys and say, listen, we need some help. We are just taking on water like nobody's business. How do you then, is it just a matter of building um, 
bigger ditches or do you is there some other remediation that's required in order to kind of uh, deal with the the increase in water that a specific um, subdivision might experience? So thankfully, we passed a two and a half billion dollar bond a couple of years ago. And with that money, Harris County Flood Control District and Harris County Engineering are looking into these subdivisions. And you just can't go and open up the subdivision and let the water out. Because once you open it up, you increase the drainage. You could increase the flooding potential downstream. So we're looking at opening them up. But we also have to provide detention ponds or other ways to mitigate this increased flow and capture it. So we're, we're freeing them of their flooding potential, but we may not be able to do that for every single subdivision and community out there. It may take decades to do this. And, you know, it'll happen as redevelopment occurs, but sometimes that redevelopment is lot by lot. We can't go out there and look at 60,000 plus acres of land inside of 610 and just wipe it off the face of the earth and redevelop it. There's 100,000 plus homes and businesses that have to be maintained. So we're doing our best. We're moving the water out of the subdivisions, but we got to give it a place to stay before we get it out to the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes perfect sense. So, um, now, based on your studies, and, and I'm assuming that part of the work that you've done has 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 been to look historically at flooding and how it happens, how much of a historical nature has informed how you practice engineering today? Meaning that, like, do you ever go back and look at how, uh, you know, I don't know, the Romans handled aqueducts or even the Egyptians when, when you look at the ancient uh, empires and and country and cities that had running water and dealt with floods then as as we do now. Does any of that inform how you guys practice engineering today as far as that's concerned? Well, it does. But if you look way back in history, you know, civilization occurs along water mm-hmm. and we grow our crops. We get our food from areas that are adjacent to rivers that flood. We rely on that flooding, but we also need a place to live. So we have to get a balance between where we go to the water and how close we get to it and what we're doing there. Um, recently, as we learn more about rainfall, as we learn more about drainage patterns and as our technology has gotten better, if you look at our local history you know, essentially from 2009 on, we've done very well with the flooding of structures constructed since then. We did a, a, a big update to our criteria. And even during Hurricane Harvey, of the new houses built after 2009, only about 2%, 2% or less of those structures actually flooded. So the current criteria is good. It's solid. It's just trying to go back and make up for our ignorance and our mistakes in the past that's been difficult. Yeah. And so since Hurricane Harvey, uh, which was that's 2017, is that correct? You're correct. Yes. So since Hurricane Harvey, how much more equipped would you say is the city of Houston is Harris County to deal with another Harvey if, if, if heaven forbid that were to happen? So so the new subdivisions, things that we're developing now are obviously a much better position. Again, it's the, it's the older subdivisions that we're still going to have the same type of flooding. We're going area by area. We're, we've got a set of priorities. We're trying to get the worst out the door first. Mm-hmm. And it'll take us a while to build all this infrastructure. So if we had Harvey today, we might have a, a, 
a close result of what we had in the past. Some areas will be better, but that will continue to be better as we move forward with correcting these past problems. Yeah. And I'm curious to know, and, and, and I did, I had mentioned this before, but it, the, the only other f- major flooding that I can think of or issue that, that we have encountered in the last 25 years is obviously Hurricane Katrina and, and the devastation that I, that caused to New Orleans. Have you studied that quite a bit in terms of where the failures were with Hurricane Katrina and how that impacted New Orleans by any chance? Uh, no, not specifically. So when the Katrina and Rita were happening, we also had our own storm events yeah, that were true. keeping us that's very true. busy. So yeah, yeah. we were taking care of business at home. Yeah, right, right. So no, I, I, that, I, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, so I guess all that you can do right now is just to continue to study um, the, the, the weather patterns and to stay abreast of, of, these events and how they impact specifically low-lying areas within um, these the, the, the domains that you cover. Uh, are you noticing any new areas of Texas that that are susceptible to flooding but haven't experienced a Hurricane Harvey-like event yet, but but could? The, the, yeah, anywhere along the Texas Gulf Coast could experience flooding like Harvey. Hopefully, Harvey won't come back for a long, long time. Right, but. Again, we've become more sophisticated with two-dimensional models and the use of geographic information systems and LIDAR. We have a LIDAR data set, which is topography of almost the entire state of Texas and certainly of the Gulf Coast. So we have much better information for doing flood studies than we've ever had before. And that's going to continually to be refreshed you know, periodically. Um, so we're in much better shape for new development in coastal zones and areas that we're expanding to. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. So, so finally, uh, as we wrap up here, cause you've been so kind to spend a good, a good bit of time. It's just kind of expanding upon this. And this is not the, the last time that we're going to talk with you about a couple of other things that I think are really interesting. You, you have a, you have a wide and varied background and, and a real understanding and appreciation for how, um, uh, engineering has informed a lot of things that we do, but uh, I, I would love for you just to kind of share, you know, just in a synopsis, why LJA is 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 the company that uh, that that somebody should come to when they when you know when they're struggling with these kind of issues and just the the basics and understanding of the fact that you guys have a lot of this information covered you have experience in this area why should somebody come and consult with LJA to get help on a whether it's a public or a private project um, because of you know all of the background and, and experience that you guys have but why why should somebody come and, and consult with LJA LGA is a Houston-based firm, and we've been an active participant with the Harris County Flood Control District, the city of Houston, Harris County Engineering, for more than 40 years. And we've worked with all the agencies in and around the county and surrounding the county, and we've been leading and helping innovate and advance our understanding of flooding in this area. And we'll continue to do that, not only to take care of our existing problems, but to help mitigate any problems that could be associated with future development. We're helping to solve problems created from our collective past ignorance <laughs> that will allow Houston and Harris County to continue to grow and to prosper. Yeah. 
Well, you said it. You you said it in a nutshell. So, John, I really appreciate you taking time to uh, out of your schedule. And even though we're in, we're still in the pandemic at the time of this recording. Uh, you've made time to to kind of connect with us and, and share a little bit about your background, a little bit about your department, and what you guys do. And we look forward to bringing you back on the podcast in the near future to talk about some other things that I think are really interesting to discuss as well. But what I would I would venture to say. Um, without, uh, you know, you didn't pay me for this, but, but I would say that Harris County and the city of Houston is in, is in good hands with someone like yourself and others, uh, that are there at LJA that have an understanding of the drainage and flood situations are in those areas and how to, to overcome the challenges that they present. So I want to thank you so much for taking time to be on the LJA podcast. Again, you were the first. So one day that will be a trivia question. Who was the first engineer on the LJ podcast? And everybody will be able to say John Grounds the third. So thank you so much. Well, Randy, thank you. And I look forward to our next conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, the first and inaugural episode of the LJA podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, John really uh, dropped a lot of knowledge about his understanding of floodplain management and just some of the historical factors that have affected the city of Houston and beyond when it comes to flooding. And so uh, I hope you got something out of it. I hope you uh, have taken some notes from this. And certainly, if you're a, an organization, an entity, or company, private development that needs some um, further interaction and understanding of, of uh, how floodplain management will affect or impact your project, you need to reach out to LJA just to um, at least, if nothing else, have a, a, a basic conversation with them. Uh, and I think, you know, you'll have access to people like John and the rest of his team and the rest of the team at LJA. These guys know what they're doing. They've been doing this for years in the state of Texas, and um, you'd be in great hands if you reached out to them. So that's all that we have today. If you have any questions or if you want to find out more about LJA, you can visit them online at www.lja.com. That is www.lja.com. We will see you soon with another episode of the LJA podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll talk to you later. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to the LJA podcast. Whether you are doing your due diligence to hire a design firm or you are trying to learn more about the company, this podcast is one of the best places to start. For more information about LJA, please visit our website at lja.com to learn more. At LJA, we mean it when we say we build civilization.